We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And it's Halloween! And that's why, I'm assuming, not because of the pandemic, but they're releasing the latest of the 007 movies, No Time to Die. So we, of course, decided to hit the double Venn diagram of relevant movie and Halloween by reviewing the 1992 comedic gothic horror movie, Death Becomes Her. Oh, wow. And to quote George McFly, Ricky... uh, you make it sound so easy. Uh, yeah, if only we had planned like, like that middle of the Venn diagram. But death becomes her. Mm-hmm. Grayson, I think you in particular will love this movie mm-hmm. more than you probably already did from watching it. Because oh. it's it's directed by uh, one of your favorite directors, Robert Zemeckis. Oh, Bobby Z. Bobby Z making a comeback on the podcast. Uh, very oh, yeah. exciting. First episode ever was a Bobby Z flick. That's uh, right. Yeah. Our formatting was, it was so loose. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Not like now. <laughs> We've changed so much. Uh, so if you don't know about Death Becomes Her, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. We don't typically do this at the top of every episode because oh. we just assume that it's going to happen. But watch the movie. Like, just watch it. Because I had a really great experience knowing very little about this movie other than the title. And so many moments got to just be presented organically for me. So go ahead and watch the movie if you haven't already. And then come back and join us over here. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, And I'm going to kind of flip things. Because I know normally, Ricky, we go into, like, all of the stats and stuff, the research Mm -hmm, behind mm -hmm. it. But I think for this one, you and I were so in the dark spooky about... (gasps) about this movie, I thought Death Becomes Her was a drama, for one. Like oh, yeah. Stone Cold drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also when I saw both versions of the poster slash mm-hmm. cover, I was like, oh, my goodness. This is that movie from Blockbuster slash Cox Video yes. as a kid where I was like, this the, something about the cover of like the hand coming through the stomach and the yeah. twisted head. I was like... As a kid, I was like, I'm interested, but also never want to see this. Yeah. Uh, it scared me in a in a very uh, juvenile way. Mm-hmm. But uh, what a delight. What a delight, Ricky, to have no context whatsoever. We, we barely knew the cast. We learned the cast when we were doing the tag for the last episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how this went so far off of our radars. <sighs> yeah, it was it was a thrill pun always intended, to watch this movie. Uh, and Grayson, we, we're we going to start back with some history, give you a quick synopsis. Death Becomes Her is a 1992 comedic gothic horror directed by Robert Zemeckis and stars Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, and Bruce Willis, all in 1992, before Bruce Willis became known as that dead guy. Uh, and it kind of tells the story of three people trapped in the kind of love triangle that eventually turns murderous to some degree that's a very brief vague but accurate description of this movie but not till like halfway through <laughs> right right yeah it starts out so differently than how it ends oh what a journey 
so the movie was written originally by David Koeff. He went on to write other big Hollywood movies like Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, and Spider-Man. Uh, Death Becomes Her uh, was produced... And he had very modest aspirations for this movie. He says that him and co-writer Martin Donovan had nothing but just a bunch of credit card debt to their name. And at most, we're thinking about maybe a $5 million picture. Spoiler alert, it wasn't that. Uh, Then comes in Robert Zemeckis. (laughs) He actually just got done finished making the Back to the Future sequels back to back. Uh, And he was excited about the script uh, and thought this was an opportunity for him to do something a little bit more mature than he was used to. And so with his involvement, the movie became way bigger than the writers had ever expected it to be. Fun fact about the time on set, Robert Zemeckis would go around saying before each shoot, hold on to your butts. Ah. And that's when that's where the Jurassic Park catchphrase comes in. Wow. It's from production of this movie. And because of this movie, and this is the thing that blew my mind, Death Becomes Her was a technologically complex film. And if you watch it, you'll understand because all of the CGI graphics that they did was done by who else? Industrial Lights and Magic. Uh, But it was the first film where computer-generated skin texture was used. Oh, dang. Not Darkman? (laughs) I saw it in in that movie. He computer-generates skin. Right. No, but, but he... Hmm. He put his it, face it, off. Uh, it, yeah. Different. But I'm glad they won the Oscar for their effects, yeah. too. So yeah. time well spent. Well, they used that technology in Jurassic Park the year later in 1993. So, Ricky, what I'm hearing is that without Death Becomes Her, we would not have had the Jurassic Park that we know and love. That is 100% what I'm saying. That has <laughs> both Jurassic Park has everything I look for in a movie, which is skin technology uh-huh. and quotes about butts. <laughs> and it's because of Death Becomes Her. It's because of Death Becomes Her. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and because it was so technologically complex, it's a medium that not many people are familiar with. Not the way that it is today. Uh, Meryl Streep, for example, hated it. She is <laughs> quoted saying, this was my first my last and my only uh, working with CGI. I think it was tedious. Whatever concentration you can apply to that kind of comedy is just shredded. You stand there like a piece of machinery. They should get machinery to do it. I love how it turned out, but it's not fun to act like a lampstand. She compares it to being at the dentist, and that's what Streep thinks about working with computer-generated technology. Yeah, that's Uh, why she passed on the role of Gollum, from what I hear. Yes, yes, 100%. That was the only thing Mm -hmm. that uh, prevented her from doing that. Uh, There was also tons of animatronics uh, modeled, uh, created by Amalgamated Dynamics and prosthetic makeup effects on Meryl Streep to create the look of a twisted neck. I mean, there are just so many things that were happening with that movie way more than five million dollars they had a budget of how about you double the five 55 million dollars uh they opened up number one in the box office the same weekend as buffy the vampire slayer and baby's kids uh and they went on to earn a worldwide box office of 149 million dollars though it was received well in the box office it wasn't 
as successful as, you know, you know, 90s films do with weird box office stuff, but it did become a drum roll, please, an occult classic, oh, if you will. Wow. And uh, has been a fan of so many people, including the people who are hosting this podcast right now. Uh, it was phenomenal. What what a great movie. Yeah. With so many, uh, I mean, the cast itself, like I'd say the core four in it, yeah. like we mentioned, Meryl Streep, Bruce Willis, Goldie Hawn, but Isabella Rossellini yes. in it as well. Um, as a catalyst for a lot of these events. And then there's there's uncredited great performances too, like Sidney Pollack as the ER doctor. Yes. Who's hilarious. And so I did not know what to expect. And no. um I don't know I don't know what I was expecting, but it it exceeded whatever I was not expecting. Which yeah, is to I, say <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Now, uh, you remember bookstores, right? Uh, So you know how sometimes um, they would have at the front of a bookstore, like, go on a date with a book. And they would just uh, take a book (laughs) and they would wrap it in just, like, brown butcher paper. So you didn't know what the book was, but it just told you the synopsis of it uh, or what the themes were. It's just like a murder mystery, but you didn't know what the book was. And you would just basically choose the book and kind of have a fun little kitschy uh, moment with the book. I feel like that was what happened with Death Becomes Her because I I knew the title, but mm-hmm. almost nothing else. I didn't read anything else. I just tried to find where the movie was available online. And then I watched it. I was like, this movie has so quickly become my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> just the more you watch it, the more you realize that, you know, Tim Burton, very brilliant, has a very distinct style but like he does not own the dark humor uh uh genre by any stretch of imagination. In fact, I want more from Robert Zemeckis in this style because it was so good and I just I just loved it. I had such a blast watching this movie. And when I look at the commonalities between a lot of Robert Zemeckis films too, I think his strength is really setting up the rules of the world. Yes. Um, and we're very clear on what these characters can and can't do mm-hmm. with their spoiler alert immortality. Yeah. Um, and so being able to play in that world is great. Just like back to the future, very clear rules about what you can and can't do. And even Castaway. Where it's like this is yeah. this is the rules for surviving on the island, and he's consistent with that. Um, so I I just love how we're able to drop into a premise in this Robert Zemeckis world and say, all right, if this is true, what else is true um, mm-hmm. about these characters uh, and who they are and their jealousies and their their flaws? Uh, and what if you took incredibly flawed people and gave them the gift of <laughs> living forever uh what would happen um basically eternals so a third part of that <laughs> venn diagram carve it out uh-huh yep this, yep. Is, this is this is for that a lot a lot of trailers coming out for that uh yep oh man yeah and, and the cool thing i really appreciated about this movie was how quickly they get into the dynamics of all the characters like there's there's very little setup other than, you know, you, the movie just opens up 
and you see people leaving the theater talking about like, oh, can you believe this person? And it was just, they just are off the races. And I really appreciated how we were immediately thrown into this premise-driven conflict between these two old friends who are like frenemies. And then you also throw in just eternal life (laughs) and the uh, fountain of youth. And then you see how that affects the friendship. And that's the thing that I thought was so fun is that I feel like some other director might have focused more on the secret society that Mm. exists of all the people who, you know, live forever. Because the rules, the one simple elixir would make you immortal. You would never need to worry about anything uh, or about like aging or dying. And the elixir would make you young and beautiful forever. But... After 10 years, you must disappear like Elvis, Tupac, I'm sure, uh, to make yeah, sure no one was in there yeah. uh-huh, to make sure that no one figures out that you become immortal. And then you have these two friends who are so vain that they get in the way of this society because they, first off, try to kill each other. And then secondly, just want to look beautiful. <laughs> And they get Bruce Willis, who gave one of my favorite performances I've ever seen Bruce Willis in, uh, <laughs> to to be the one to make the 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 touch ups, the tune ups. Right. So everyone has a very clear uh, space in that relationship and yeah. can offer something, which is why they need them instead of just saying, "I want you out of my life forever." They're stuck in this. Uh, this triangle and you know they they say start a uh, story as late as you can in the timeline and then another school of thought is well just show us all of the key scenes from an event and that's what I think the strength of this story is too where it's like seven years go by from the first scene it's like another seven and then the beginning is you're kind of figuring it out because it's not like you're seeing when these characters started dating or anything like that it's just like this is when this is when Ernest met madeline but then jumped to their wedding like we don't need to see the courtship um it works really well for this not as well for fan four stick but being able to (laughs) identify those key moments that you need to tell a complete story is just the masterful storytelling and not get bogged down in that uh but use it as a vehicle for the comedy is ultimately the goal here because it's a genuinely funny movie. Yeah. And the movie, I mean, didn't start that way either. I mean, originally uh, the movie was heavily uh, re-edited after negative feedback at test screenings. So uh, Tracy Ullman, who is a, a good friend of Meryl Streep, has a whole role in this movie. And she even shows up in some trailers uh, even on the back of the VHS art, uh, completely edited out of the movie. Um, but and the entire ending was changed, and so they they really crafted this story to make it its best uh, core story that I think a lot of people um, really connected to and resonated with. And I just I'm just so happy that this movie exists and that I <laughs> we got to review it on the podcast because. Uh, sometimes when I'm watching a movie, I, I'm watching it and I'm just like looking at different threads or themes. I'm just, I'm studying it or I'm in, just examining it. But I was just 
smiling like pretty much the entire time I was watching this movie. The performances, some of the just very subtle physical humor where, uh, you know, they uh, Goldie Hawn's character is walking over on the couch after she has a giant hole in her in her stomach and she sits in between this spear. It's just such a great visual gag that happens uh, or even just some of the lines that people deliver in just a very interesting way. It's just so fun. It felt like it was both campy but also surrealist but also just absurd but real and grounded and like i it just felt like it was this whole world that i believed immediately existed uh just because of everything that they put towards it uh yeah. largely with the characters and I, I just really appreciate that yeah the the performances are really what ground these characters in a lot of ways so that's why it's interesting to me to learn that bruce willis replaced kevin klein yeah that's that right role um and i think it worked out for the best i think i think it all it all happened i was looking through on the visual effects side uh because we had mentioned that they won the oscar for it they beat out batman returns so burton uh mm-hmm. and alien 3 for the visual <sighs> effects so that's that's high praise oh yeah yeah high praise yeah when you can make meryl streep and goldie hahn and, and they the choreography that they did for those vfx there are several times where i'm just looking at this movie and i'm thinking how did they do this in 1992 someone please explain this to me because honestly looks like witchcraft because i there are things that i know you can do today with like futuristic editing and with rotoscoping and all this other stuff but i'm just like i don't know what computers were able to do in 1992 but i didn't think they could do this and that was you know very impressive yeah well in some of it they you mentioned the animatronics they tried to like wire up some of the body transformations with like like for meryl streep when she's looking in the mirror they had this like robotic bra thing that was supposed to help ultimately it didn't work and you there's just like who was it? it was a one of the people in wardrobe i think we just had to like kind of press on her from the side <laughs> like you're in show business kid this is what it is congrats oh, you man. made it now grayson before we yeah. move forward into our typical segments uh i i need to ask you mm-hmm. if you had the opportunity yeah to drink a simple elixir that would make you immortal would you would you drink it no i wouldn't i i really would what if i get bored (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly like all the stuff that he brings up as the like wait a minute and when i there's twice that i think he almost does it or doesn't do something and then characters say like one line too much so really this is a story about the dangers of overselling Uh um yeah like to live forever and he's like wait a minute i don't want to live forever like i i part of what makes life so precious is its finite nature to go out there and make every day count so why would you want to throw that away and then be trapped in a broken shell forever uh so no i'll i'll pass i'll I'll make this a limited series not an indefinite (laughs) run oh man yeah that that would be that would be tough i I would say I wouldn't, or at the very least, I would wonder, because this is how my brain works, I wonder what would happen if you drank half of it. 
like because because yeah. she you know she she gave the little demo the little yeah. little the for samples free yeah and so that didn't make him immortal so I'd be like okay well. oh yeah the regeneration element yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'd use it like a topical cream if yeah. that's available I'd mix it in. <laughs> Something like a mayo paste and yeah, uh, yeah, that that'd be fine. Yeah, I'll do that. I I would take a thing if it was like not immortality, but like I, to never be sick, right? Or or oh, to yeah. like regenerate. But when I get to a certain age range, it's like yeah, no, you might die. Um, or even I mean, dying from physical. Like maybe that's the thing too. Like they just could not die no matter what. Right. And I think that prospect is really terrifying because then you just end up like a, you're just your brain, right? So when your your shell gets all broken down, um, like what is your existence? That's terrifying mm-hmm. to me. Uh, yeah. But if it's like, no, you're going to be super healthy and you can just like, you'll keep going as long as you're going well. But mm-hmm. if you if you incur too much damage immediately and don't, put this topical cream on <laughs> then then yeah you're done i don't know yeah. i just don't like the permanence of of the whole prospect that that feels like uh not a life sentence but an afterlife sentence Ooh, i like it i like it <laughs> yeah so i i would take the third option which is uh i i like your topical cream uh so Topical cream option, please. Yeah. I think that would be cool. I think I, I would take more risks, you know? Mm. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I got a little bit more time. Yeah. Whereas, like, with this, like, you would think if you're immortal, oh, I can take risks. But with them, it's actually the opposite. Because you're immortal, you don't want to take as many risks. Because if you mess up your leg, like, it's messed up for a long time or something like that, as we see in the movie. So it's, um, yeah, not not helpful. Uh, not... <laughs> what you would want but i guess if you're isabella rossellini and you're just chilling in a mansion all the time and like your biggest you know threat is catching cold because you you didn't bundle up enough during (laughs) flu season put a sweater on or something socks at the least uh then yeah, there's there's that that you gotta look out for. What shocked me was how many people were in this society. Oh, that was such a great moment where you just they just they track the camera and you just see this party. I have a party going on upstairs, and you just see the room be filled with people. There's like I at was, least a thousand people in there, minimum. And, it, and it's you're like, oh, it's not a secret society. <laughs> it's I mean, they don't want it really to be a secret. They're trying to like make all this money because scary mansions aren't cheap. So no. I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. Ricky. Oof. Yeah. Topical cream. Topical cream. Just a hand cream. Maybe yeah. some under eye cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it would be really great to treat simple, um, woundings like, you know, a shovel to the head, the mm-hmm. shotgun to the stomach. Mm-hmm. Or a blast from a head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannons are part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So I did some movie math, Grayson. Mm. And the way that the movie ends is that they 
end up around the year 2036. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, because yeah. it takes so it starts the story starts in the 70s, uh-huh. and then it goes 12 years, and then they do another jump to, or I think 14 years, and then I think they jump 37 years because it's 37 years from 1992. Okay. And so, uh, actually, no, I take it back. It's 2029. So 2029 is where they end up year-wise. So my headcanon is that Meryl Streep has some answers. (laughs) And and I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing Meryl Streep in 2029 and Goldie Hawn just hanging out. Uh, But also... It fit so perfectly just that they went on to say, oh, he lived his life to the fullest. And uh, he always told us about seeing dead people mm. in California. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, headcanon, I just. Uh, I was there the, the whole time. It was. I mean, come on. But because originally I was thinking, I was like, maybe because he's so risk adverse, uh, he's going to go on to become. John McClane. Like oh. I'm gonna live a new life. A new they life do, entirely. They do die hard. It's hard for them to die. Oh man. Oh, can you imagine if those franchises switched names? <laughs> it's the old Rogue One Suicide Squad problem. Just <laughs> flip it around. Oh, uh yeah. Yes. Similarly, my headcanon was that there was a, a moment that the audiences weren't privy to. Uh where uh, Meryl Streep's character and Bruce Willis's character reconcile physically, ah. <laughs> and um, uh, eventually, uh, I, I think a baby would have been born uh, from them, and that baby would have part of this regenerative, immortal aspect Ooh. to their okay. DNA. Yeah, and that is how you get um how you get david from unbreakable whoa yeah oh interesting so, yeah that's uh that's how that oh, works that's that's how that, so... and if you think about goldie hans character when did she die like when her when it's revealed when she's submerged in water because of the unbreakable thing <laughs> He doesn't like water. That's the old David Dunn. David Dunn kryptonite. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. That's real good. Man, I like that. Solid. Huh. Yeah. So it's there. It's the hybrid there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, what happens if you just have a little bit of it, right? Uh, Just a little bit. A little bit. Just touch up the cuticles Mm -hmm. and some of the age spots. Uh, but if it was half your DNA, you'd probably be pretty incredible. Yeah. Okay. So here's the other thing, uh, headcanon wise. I was wondering like where the elixir came from because when Meryl Street first took it, I was thinking, oh, cool. Maybe like, you know, what's going to happen here? Like how much of this is there? But it looks like that's just a serving size that they just have access to. And so mm-hmm. my, uh, my other headcanon is that it's really just uh, uh, an alternate batch of Tab Cola because it just really made me really hankering for a Tab Cola. I was like, man, I could really go for a Tab. 
Let's get some tab in there. Yeah, my guess is that they. Oh, this is interesting. Head cannon. Then so there's that pool, and there's a lot of like kind of water feel around it. I guess. Oh, right. More unbreakable stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. They are they're refilling these vials, and so um, you know maybe that house was built on the location for the Fountain of Youth, right? Oh. So like, oh, this is why it's headquarters. We just keep refilling it here. And uh, it's kind of the whole idea of like building this fortress around the the secret destination. Yeah, that would make sense. But to explore that would have violated what you said earlier about how it's not really about all that stuff. It's about the relationship. It's not about the secret society or... Mm -hmm. Or the backstory of Isabella Rossellini's character, which it stays purposefully vague because it's got more mystery. Um, we know how old she is, but it's not like we flash back to when she was a kid. Like, why do we? Why do we? What, what's the purpose of that? We wouldn't need yeah. it. So, yeah. But that's interesting. Yeah, where did it come from? I was looking up creatures, uh, like in mythology, that had purple blood. Uh, oh, and I was like, maybe it's like unicorn blood, but you know, in Harry Potter, that's like silver and stuff like that. But I like, I think the Fountain of Youth um, angle probably makes the most sense. It's really good. But in true Zemeckis form, it is the the flux capacitor yeah. move of like it's what makes it work. It's what oh. makes it work. Like okay. don't don't understand. It's what makes it work. All right, Got it. Little, little purple purple drink, some tab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it, that's what it takes get the thing and it works like it makes it possible and now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk to you about recasts and remakes recast remake if this movie were to be made today who would you cast what would the storyline be i think we all know what's gonna actually maybe we don't so a fun thing that i learned that i didn't know before um is that uh goldie hawn she has a daughter Hmm. very famous daughter and that daughter's name is Kate Hudson. And as soon as I was stumbling across that, I said, oh, well, y- yes, please. I would very much like this. I would love for them to basically just pick up where they left off. And uh, and it has now been uh, just a new modern take on this, especially because it's all about image. Um, and I really think that they would have a lot of fun with uh, what they can do graphically. I would love to see a modern take on this with Kate Hudson. Yeah, keep it in the family. And uh, only because I just randomly saw uh, a random thing. Uh, Jessica Biel as well would be really fun in this. Honestly, oh yeah. Oh, I'm I'm blanking on his name, but I'm gonna Google it in enough time to make this filler really worth it so you know how you have people who come into your mind grayson um where you think oh yeah this person's the person and their name is around the tip of your tongue that name for me is william jackson harper uh cheaty from the good place uh i think that he would be really great uh with uh bruce willis's role just because he played that kind of uh just furiousness but also um intensity and meticulousness but also (laughs) i just love his the way that bruce willis portrayed him as someone who is both uh uh impassioned but also completely depleted i i think that pairing would be really fun Ooh, 
and Zazie Beetz is there. I mean, she could be but, the Isabella Rossellini character. That would be great. Yeah. Just call it um, Death Becomes Her A New Potion or Death Becomes Bottoms Up. Ooh, that would be good. Death Becomes Her Bottoms Up. Yeah. After, uh, reassembled. Resembled. Resembled. Oh, yeah, that's good. I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. For my recasting um, for the Goldie Hawn character, I had Emma Stone. Uh, I thought that uh, I got a lot of a lot of Emma Stone vibes from that yep. character. Uh, yep. For Bruce Willis's character, uh, I had Lakeith Stanfield. Because oh, yeah. Especially his speed in Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah. where, where he is welcomed into a secret society that changes bodies. Uh, and I think he could play both sides of that, uh, like being really successful, but then also the the quiet wrestling with his demon side. Um, so I think he'd be great. And then I also, I think the Meryl Streep uh, track got me pretty immediately to Emily Blunt uh, ah, to, to play yeah. the the the. The, like the Broadway actress and then uh, be at home, oh, but yeah. also play a lot of that comedy uh, that Emily Blunt's so great at. So yeah, I thought that was my core three for those, for, for that casting. Um, but then I was also thinking about who would you bring into that society now with like modern updates. Um, and you know, some of them are classic, like the Elvis reference and all that. But if you did remake it, and had that scene. I think you just got to have Keanu Reeves walking around. Uh, just <laughs> hanging out. Keanu Reeves, Paul Rudd. They're just like. Yeah. Uh, Eating a chicken wrap. You have more bruschetta? <laughs> yeah. I think that would be. Oh, yeah. That, that would be great. Yes. Oh, as always, I think that this podcast is really just a public service for Hollywood. Listen, Hollywood, you don't have to work so hard. We're here doing the heavy lifting, and if you ever want to just send a check our way, uh, you know, just let us know all of Hollywood. Thank you. But if you send a check, I also need to check photo ID. It's the policy mm-hmm. for, for mm-hmm. checks. Uh, yes. Much like uh, Albertsons in the 90s. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, two forms of IDs would be preferable. Mm-hmm. Government a Library issue. card will, yep. uh, will suffice. City government. Yeah, mm-hmm. yearbook photos don't cut it. Um, no. That is, unless it was a public school, because then I guess technically that it's through a state organization. Yeah. Uh, we'll also, depending yeah. on the circumstances, we'll accept death certificates, and we're back. Oh, we, we did it. <laughs> and now we're going to go into our final segment, which is giving you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Death Becomes Her? I recommend Death Becomes Her because it, it while it is very funny, uh, at its core is more about the gift of life and mm. using it, right? Yeah. Um, so all these characters at some point in their journey uh, waste part of their life, right? Mm. Um, they they throw it away in, in different ways, but um, it's the ones that, it's the characters that say, I'm going to take this potion and live forever, that once they do that, really lose the value of life um, and kind of cheapen it. And their actions reflect that. What I love so much about this movie is the ending. So like we said, please watch this movie first. But the ending is so beautiful 
um, because it's a it's the eulogy, right? I love that eulogy scene where you get to. It's one of the times that like it actually works out to uh, tell, don't show, <laughs> instead mm-hmm. of the other way around. Where you're yeah. discovering everything that happened to Bruce Willis's character um, after the events here through his eulogy. And and the eulogist is saying that, you know, for him, life began at 50 and he was able to do all these amazing things and help out all these people. And we never see any of that. But the lesson we get is when given the opportunity for immortality, he said, no, I can do more with the limited amount of time that I have left on this earth. Um, and it made him appreciate life even more. So I um, I really loved that. I thought that was um, a beautiful way to end this. And then also immediately following that scene, one of the most disturbing things I've seen where someone falls down some stairs and breaks every bone in their body and we're back to unbreakable. Um, it <laughs> is so disturbing though, just ending up Deadpool <sighs> style on the, on the sidewalk. Um, but in some ways, like even though that's for them, low stakes kind of, because you know, they'll regenerate a little bit over time and it's going to take a long time, that kind of stuff or get patched back together because there is a healing factor to that thing, but it's not like to that degree. Um, Anyway, the whole idea is very terrifying, but um, everyone in some way gets what they wanted, whether it's friendship, whether it's just togetherness to have like a a partner in something. Uh, And in uh, the case of Bruce Willis's character, it's uh, respect. He ultimately got the respect that neither partner ever afforded him. Uh, and it was respect through the community because he he said, well, I'm, I'm going to put my talents to good use. And uh, he lived uh, in a respectful way. So anyway, all of them were able to to get what they wanted, even if it seems like a bleak ending, especially for the for the two women. Uh, they actually end up getting everything they wanted, which is. They're never going to die. Their beauties in their eyes never going to fade um, because at a certain point they see what they want to see. And more importantly, they're not going to be alone, uh, which they both were terrified of. Everything from Mm. the cuckoo's nest style uh, institution scenes to alone in the dressing room. You have these isolated moments. So even the comment on uh, the bed that's already half made uh, in Meryl Streep's mansion there's a fear of isolation and being alone. Now they can be together forever. And uh, uh, while uh, Dr. Melville was trying to escape through different uh, vices and and such, um, he didn't have to escape. He could exit gracefully. Uh, So Mm. there's all these layers that they build into it where it can be really funny, but also super thoughtful along the way. So that's why I recommend Death Becomes Her. Man, that's so good. That was great, Grayson. I have so little to add. <laughs> uh, I I just love this movie. It was so unexpectedly funny. I love uh, the visual humor that they do in this movie. Even just some of the scripting of like, hey, I'm I'm gonna have him uh, look 
uh, I'll give him some liveliness and vibrance. And they're like, oh, sir, we can't do that. He has to be recognizable. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, that's so great. Uh, just the wordplay, the script is so fun. Uh, and so many of the visual gags that they attempted in this like era where it's not like the standard, it's easy to create certain effects uh, and visuals when you know that it's been done before but to discover figuring out how skin texture looks like in a computer generated way uh and to make it believable is you know to pioneer that is um is no small feat so i also uh, appreciate all the risks that this movie went and took on because uh not many people were clamoring for this type of movie, I don't think. Uh, but they but they made it, and I'm so very glad that they did. So, um, yeah, watch Death Becomes Her. Own it on whatever device that you're able to get it on, because I, I want to watch this movie now every single Halloween. Yeah, and it has legitimately disturbing images uh, if you're looking for something that plays kind of like that Adams Family deal where it's like <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. funny, but also you're like, yeah, that was pretty, pretty disturbing. Or Beetlejuice. Very Beetlejuice. Yes. Yeah. Very Beetlejuice esque. Yeah. yeah. All right. And that is our review of the 1992 movie Death Becomes Her. Let us know what you remember about Death Becomes Her on our social media platforms on Facebook instagram and twitter we are at flashback flicks actually grayson do we need to come what's a what's a what's a spooky uh url that we can or what's a spooky handle we can change our name to mm. during halloween uh Is i think it, for this episode it would be fleshback flicks Ooh, it would be all that computer generated skin going around Ooh. oh yeah what's our secret spray paint <laughs> So if we change our name to Fleshback Flicks, then you'll know why. Uh, but otherwise, on all social media platforms, we are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating review on your podcasting platform of choice. It helps the podcast out tremendously. It helps this podcast actually live on. Mm. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, a, an elixir for eternal life, uh, but with podcasts. Yeah. So, you know less stakes and you probably won't get bored if you not if you take the elixir but if you give us the elixir give the podcast give the the code the ones and zeros the elixir Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. a scale of one to five holes in the stomach uh (laughs) or uh i need to hear this podcast like i need a hole in the stomach say like one to five isabella rossellini necklaces like five good more (laughs) more you're gonna get you're gonna get sick you got you gotta be chilly. Yeah, One's it's not raining. enough. <laughs> this marble doesn't insulate well, I don't imagine. Oh. Uh let's know what you thought of the podcast. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With James Bond coming back in No Time to Die and Halloween Kills making its way into theaters, we thought it'd be appropriate to take a look at a super successful spy franchise with Mike Myers. 
Of course, we're talking about Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Oh, Grayson, that's that oh, is how we yeah. do it. There's a lot. We don't do unpack. it on the James Bond week. We do it <laughs> on <laughs> Halloween <laughs> Kills week. That's our podcast. Yeah. All right, whenever it's on the nose, I mean, sometimes yes, but other times you wait a week. <laughs> yeah. Do it after. See see how much people liked the thing you're referencing. <laughs>